bow and I had this bow legged. Okay. And I was uh, bullied to the point that the doctors didn't know if I would ever be able to walk at properly. And uh, so it, it started my, my, my tumultuous relationship with food started at a very young age. Um, when my, my adopted family was a very uh, a dysfunctional family, extremely abusive. And, uh, and my mom and my dad were, and uh, I remember at four years old, well, I don't remember it, but my family tells the story. When I was four years old, my uh, older brother put locks on the cat on the pantry because I would go into the pantry and eat until I threw up. And, uh, and he put the locks on the pantry, not so that I wouldn't eat the food, but so that my mother would stop eating on me. Um, my mother's favorite uh, nicknames for me were fat ass and glutton um and uh, uh she used those frequently and i grew up thinking that i was huge um and when i look at pictures of me during my childhood i was not i was actually quite tiny um i uh i i was very small for my age very very small and very petite and that's not how i felt growing up i felt huge um, when I was about 14, my body completely betrayed me. And I went from about 4, 11 to 5, 6. And, um, and my, my weight was proportionate to the height gain. But um, I also developed uh, breasts and hips. And I, I began looking like a woman. And I was so angry with my body for betraying me because I liked looking like a boy. Um, and then uh, when I was about 14, there was a particularly traumatic event involving my stepfather or my adopted father. And uh, that's when I began to eat in my memory um, because I thought if I could just get fat, he would leave me alone. And uh, that's when the weight started to be a problem. And my mother took me to a doctor that put me on a 900 calorie a day diet when I was about 15. And, and, um, and then uh, uh, drugs and alcohol are a part of my story. I, I, I discovered uh, amphetamines at about 16. Oh, the diet didn't work. I should probably say that the diet didn't work. I did lose the pound, the weight initially, but um, as soon as the diet was over, I ballooned back up and gained even more. Um, and then I discovered amphetamines, most specifically cocaine. And I was on the cocaine diet for about the next 11 years. And while it worked to keep the weight off, it darn near killed me. Um, and I found my first recovery program um, in 1986. Now, the thing that that did for me was it took away the appetite suppressant. And I began to eat and I began to gain weight. And that is in my tumultuous relationship with food when I started to purge. Um, and I started a cycle of, 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 of abstaining, not eating until I was so hungry, I had no choice but to eat and then binging and then purging. Um, and I didn't do it every single day. I, when I would start to see that my weight had gone up, I would start that cycle until my weight went back down and then I would, um, I would, 
I would uh, I would stop and eat, eat what I thought was normally. Um, and I did that for a few years until um, it became every day. And I got down to 92 pounds and a friend of mine who was uh, also bulimic called me out on it. And um, I ended up in treatment for eating disorders. Now I, I, I did really well in treatment and um, I, I did really well after treatment too, for about six years, uh, maintain a healthy body weight, maintained a food plan. Um, and early on in my recovery, around right at 1990, I think it was, I had actually met my birth mother and we had formed a, a rather close relationship. And in 2001, um, she died from ovarian cancer and something happened inside of me when she died. And that was, I just, I, I, I quit, I shut down. I quit recovery, I, I quit praying, I quit spiritual contact, I just quit everything. And, uh, and uh, began to eat again. And I made, I had made the promise to myself that no matter whatever happened, I would not purge. No matter what, I would not purge. And so I started that cycle of starving myself until I was so hungry, I had to eat and then binging but then I wouldn't purge. And I, and I, and over the course of the next 20 years, I, I went up to my highest weight was uh, 275 pounds. What brought me here was um, I had finally gotten willing to do something about my weight and had started the process for um, bariatric surgery. And they put me on a food plan that, well, I remember when a dietitian told me that I could have 50 grams of carbohydrate. I looked at her and I said, is that per meal? And she said, no, that's a day. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do that? Because I'm a carbo queen. Okay. I love my carbohydrates. And uh, I started that food plan and I quickly realized that it was too big for me. I absolutely could not not eat. And that's when I decided to try this OA thing. If 12 steps can work for alcohol and 12 steps can work for cocaine, by golly, they could work for, for, uh, for, uh, for fruit. So I came into OA and I'd love to say that I was struck abstinent. <laughs> That's not my experience. Um, but I will tell you this, all of the stuff that happened to me as I was growing up in young adulthood, um, it, it, it makes wonderful material for therapy. Um, it's not, however, what makes me a compulsive overeater. What makes me a compulsive overeater is that in the big book, it talks about when, when we start to eat, we, we cannot control how much we eat. Well, it talks about alcohol, but I'm putting in terms of OA. When I start to eat, I cannot control how much I eat. And when I want to stop eating, I cannot stop eating. It's the obsession of the mind that says, I must eat, I must eat, I must eat, I must eat. In whatever terminology it chooses to do that. And the compulsion of the body that, that just, that it's like a, 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 a wild beast opening up and going and the um, spiritual malady. Um, and so I came in and I absolutely could not get the abstinence thing. I just, I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. But um, I, I'm gonna, I've, I've got to 
go to another program here real quick because I want to read this to you. I hope. Anyway, I, I could not get abstinence. It just, it eluded me. And um, I tried and tried and tried and tried. And I got, I, I did all the right stuff. I had a, uh, I had a uh, first 30 day sponsor that took me through um, the, uh, what do I do now pamphlet. And I got a permanent sponsor and um, started working the steps and I just, I could not do the abstinence thing. And um, what it says, this is abstinence is the act of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a, a, a healthy body weight. And I, I could not abstain. I, no matter what I did, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I prayed, I could not abstain. Um, and then it goes on to explain recovery. And this is the old uh, definition of recovery. They've changed it this year, but I, I like the old one. And it says the removal of the need to engage in compulsive eating behaviors and compulsive eating. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is achieved through the working and living the Overeaters Anonymous 12 steps. Based on the experience of recovering OA members, the way out of despair and hopelessness into a life beyond our wildest dreams is through working the 12 steps. Together we can do what we cannot do alone. And that, that I could do, that I could do recovery, I could do the 12 steps. And lo and behold, what happened is that that need to engage in compulsive eating behaviors was lifted. Um, I, I don't have perfect abstinence. 10 minutes. Thank you. I don't have perfect ab abstinence, um, but I decided when I realized that me trying to abstain was me still controlling the food, I made the decision that I was not going to deal with the food anymore at all. I was simply going to focus on recovery. And I also changed my abstinence from food-based to, I will not leave this program no matter what. If I eat, I will go to meetings. If I, if I eat out of a, a, a bag of chips, which is one of my compulsive eating behaviors, I will continue to work the steps. No matter what happens, I will not leave this, this program and I, I will work the steps. And that for abstinence for me works. And as a result, like I said, one of the things that happened is, has happened is that that need to eat, I must eat has been relieved. Um, I want to talk about um, some of the promises uh, in this program. Um, the big book for me is the all that ends all. I think that the OA literature is really great and it's a great, um, it's, a, it's a great supplement for the big book. But the big book for me is where I find the steps and for me is where I find the, the substance of recovery. Um, the first step, step says I'm powerless absolutely i could not not eat that my life had become unmanageable and when it came to food there was no manageability whatsoever it goes on to say that um, i came to believe in a power greater than myself and i had had a spiritual awakening and early recovery that was rather profound um so i knew that the power existed um and i knew it could restore me to sanity um what had changed was my understanding of god um, and I, I, I had to deal with that because 
God was never a benevolent old man in the sky with a staff that looked down and judged us. That God, I was raised Catholic, no offense to the Catholics, but the Catholics, that, I, that the human beings that raised me when I was in the Catholic church were, uh, were not very healthy people. That's not saying the church is bad, it's saying that the people that were there in my experience were not very healthy. And, and uh, the, I, I believe that it was a lot of toxic spiritual abuse. So I had to fire that God, that judge, judgmental old God. I had to fire him and I had to create a God of my own understanding. And as I began to look back into the second step, I realized that any concept that my brain could come up with of God was too small and I had to let that get bigger and uh, so that the second step took me a little while and then made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God um, again I was struggling with abstinence and part of my struggle was I I'm gonna eat what I want to eat I there's no way anybody, anybody's gonna tell me what I can and cannot eat and uh, that was part of the struggle and uh turning my food over to the care of this God that of my understanding um, took a little work, took a little time for me to get willing. And, and what got me willing was the realization that y'all, all y'all had gotten what I couldn't get. And that was that abstinence, that, 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 that relief from that need to eat. And you guys had done it. And if, if, and you had done it by turning the food over to God. And if it had worked for you, it would work for me. Um, so uh, that's what happened. And I wanna share with you, again, I wanna share some promises here because this big book is full of promises. The whole darn thing is, is, is a great big promise. But I'm gonna read to you some of my favorite promises. These are the third step promises. And it comes as a result of doing step one, step two, and step three. They don't just manifest out of nowhere, um, but they, they manifest um, by working the steps. So our troubles we think are basically of our own making. Well, thank God for that. I'm not a victim of circumstance. They arise out of ourselves and the, and the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater is an extreme example of self will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there are there often seems to be no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions with the Lord. Oh boy, isn't that true? But we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Yes, what a relief that was. It didn't work. Next, we decided in the hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are the agents. He is the father, we are the children. Most ideas are simple. This concept, and this is great, this is a profound promise. This concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. 
established I mean, on such footing. Thank you. Established on such footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flowing. Wow. As we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, we became conscious of his presence and we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. What profound promises those are. When we talk about promises, we most, most often talk about the uh, ninth step promises. Well, those are the third step promises. And I, I, I would support your effort to go through this big book and find all the promises if you can. Um, the fourth step is, uh, is all about courage. And, uh, and for me, it's an exciting step because it means that it's done, I'm done. I, I, all of that old, icky, nasty, gnarly, toxic garbage is about to come up, get put on paper and get released. Um, and then the fifth step is taking that old nasty garbage and, and, and putting it on the table and, 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 and giving it life by sharing it with another person and with God. And then the fifth step or the sixth step is about becoming ready to say, you know, it's looking at that stuff and, and asking myself, do I really want this? Do I want to hang on to this? Do I want the results of this? And then seven is, is being humble enough to say, God, take it away all of it. I'm done. Release me from this. And the grace for me, I find so much grace in six and seven. It is, I, 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 I love six and seven because it's the release. It's the done. Eight is becoming willing to make amends to such people wherever possible. Uh, no, eight is becoming willing to make amends, direct amends. And by the time I get done with six and seven, I'm ready for eight. I'm ready to, 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 to ask for the willingness. I'm ready to, to get to those amends. And then nine is made direct amends to such people wherever possible. And that doesn't happen in an instant. You know, it's not like I, I, I make my ninth step lit or my eight step list and then I get on the phone and, and go down the list one by one and say, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry. An amends is much different than I'm sorry. A sorry is, is, is an apology. An amends is changing the behavior that created that issue to begin with. And that takes time. Um, we, don't do, we don't do the first eight steps and become pure as snow. We're still human. We still make mistakes. Those old defects still crop up and, and, and we act out on them. And, and then we go, why did I do that? That was not, I mean, that's all part of the process. Um, so nine happens over time, but here's the thing about nine. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, what phase is that? Step nine. We will be amazed before we were halfway through. That means we don't have to finish all of those amendments. That means we just have to take the steps and, and get started with them and, and be painstaking about making sure that they get done. We are going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door of it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. 
fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. One minute. Thank you. We are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Um, incredible promises again. And then we do go to step 10, which is um, continuing to take personal inventory. Now, we can do spot check inventories. I personally do a nightly inventory. Um, and then these are the 10 step promises. I'm going to skip through and hurry on with this because I only have a minute left and I don't want to run over. Um, these are the 10 step promises. And we have ceased writing anything or anyone, even alcohol, even food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in food. If tempted, we recoil as from a hot flame. We act, we react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened to us automatically. We will see that our new attitude towards food has been given to us without any effort or effect on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in the position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep a fit spiritual condition. 10 step promises, fit spiritual condition for me comes in practicing that 10th step. The 11th step is sought through prayer and meditation to improve my, my conscious contact. I pray daily um, in the morning. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that hits my brain is a song that says, good morning, good morning, so much to be grateful for this morning, good morning, good morning, thank you. And while I'm running through my morning activity until I can get to my prayers, my mind is going through gratitude. Um, and then I do my meditations. One of, my, one of the things that I, I love about this meeting is that it, it, it includes the prayers that I use on a daily basis, the seventh step. The, the third step of the seventh step prayers. And then 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, it's not, it's not some quirky thing, okay? The whole point of the steps is that spiritual awakening. And we don't get that spiritual awakening until we work those steps. Um, we, try, we, we try to carry this message to other alcoholic or other uh, compulsive overeaters. And what am I carrying? I have to ask myself this. What am I I'm, carrying? And thank you. Am I carrying the mess or am I carrying the message? I can carry the mess to my sponsor all I want. Not that she'll entertain it because she won't. But if I'm going to carry the mess, I carry it to my sponsor so that we together can find the solution. If I'm going to carry a mess into a meeting, I by gosh better have some hope to go along with it. And that means what are the solutions as, as, as uh, in working this program and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. And, I'm, and in case you don't know what the principles are, um, I'll be happy to share that with you later and after the meeting, because I'm out of time. But um, those principles are pretty profound. Um, so I'm out of time and that's all I have. I wanna thank you for allowing me to share and uh, Thank you for, to Vance for um, his help and 
um, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you.